everyone. Welcome to Step Up Nigeria's podcast. Our podcast is an initiative built to create awareness of governance issues that highlight the cost of corruption and its impacts on service delivery. Our podcast is also aimed at promoting values that will help to build a society with people of integrity and provide solutions to service delivery challenges faced by everyday Nigerians. My name is Faramie Adeola and I'm the host of this podcast. On today's podcast, we will be discussing the NSAS protest and the case for police reform in Nigeria. And to discuss that topic with me today, I have two guests with me. I have my program director, Zainab Haruna, and a special guest and friend of Step Up Nigeria, Ahmed Rufai Isa. Thank you both for making up the time to join me today. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Fermi. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Rufai. So to begin, young Nigerians have taken to the streets um, for what is about nine days now, um, chanting NSAS and police brutality and bad governance in Nigeria, reform the police and different things um, basically to reduce police brutality and reform the police force in Nigeria. And this has gone on for um, a few days. So uh, my first question, and we'll start with you, Rufai, um, because it's gone on for so long, so long now, which is almost two weeks in different parts of Nigeria, we see Nigerians in diaspora as well joining the marches to the embassies and things like that. Um, what are your thoughts and insights about the protest thus far? Uh, thank you very much, Farami. Uh, first of all, I've had many people, uh, including you now, talking to me of uh, about how long this protest has, has taken. Uh, I, I like to remind Nigerians that protests should take as long as it takes. Um, until, you know, there's a resolution of what the protesters are asking of. And I, I also like to first say that our life itself is a protest against all forms of oppression. And this is something that every Nigerian should imbibe. And so, so to answer your question, I think so far so good. The protests have been sustained by the energy, uh, the anger and the zeal for good governance and the need for, you know, a, a better police system among all young people that have been on the streets, that have been in, in their homes, on their mobile phones, people who have made videos, people who have made audios, people who have shared flyers. I think the energy that has sustained the protest so far is the fact that everybody is angry and want to see the right thing done. And what's the right thing? Uh, the right thing is for us to see that the government is committed to first and foremost, you know, arresting, police officers, whether they are SARS or any other kind of police officers who have brutalized citizens one way or the other, um, killed them, extorted them, and, and we've had a lot of eyewitnesses. So this is not something that there are no, you know, evidence or whatsoever. Um, to the credit of everybody, every young person uh, who has been brutalized, they've either kept names of the police officers, they've kept video evidences, They've kept pictorial evidences of the things that they, they have, you know, gone through in the hands of these police officers. So imagine if we have few people with this, you know, level of detail and information. Uh, how many people don't we know about who have, have violated? So what has kept people going, uh, just to answer your question, is the energy. 
uh, and everything else that you know we want to see something as rights done. Uh, we want to really see uh, the federal government and the IG of police commit to actually ensure that you know people are arrested for for their crimes and you know they are taken through a proper judicial process. Yeah, thank you, Fai. Um, so that being said, do you believe that there's any real progress being made because of these protests? And how does that intersect with um, the 2020 Police Act? Your thoughts? Yeah, this this is a great question. I think first and foremost, um, uh, the fact that people are pro protesting is progress. Uh, if you understand Nigeria, uh, I'm sure you'd, you'd agree with me. The fact that we have young people on the street protesting in itself is progress. Uh, uh, and then when it comes to progress on the side of the government, I think we are making progress because we have seen responses from the government uh, in terms of sh uh, shifting grounds. Uh, first, we started with police attacking people with life ammunition, uh, canisters and water uh, cannons. I, I was at the protest uh, when I first got back and essentially... We were chased away from 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 the first headquarters where we went. Uh, so as I was saying, I said now, in terms of progress, we have seen government begin to outline some of the steps that they are willing to take uh, to, you know, accept what the protesters are saying. We've seen the Lagos state government take, you know, uh, actual steps that protesters, uh, a request that protesters have handed him and gone to the, the federal government, gone to the president's office to hand him over that document. Uh, we've seen the governor of Anambra state join protesters uh, in a call for the removal. You know, he sacked the, his, his aide, who essentially was a SAS officer who was brutalizing people in the state. And so he has fired the guy now and he's calling for his, you know, protection. And we've, we've also seen, you know, uh, the federal government through the, uh, the office of the IG, sorry, not the federal government, basically begin to change names from SAS to SWAT, uh, to SWAT which is funny anyway, uh, but then also outline some of the steps they are beginning to take to address the issues. But again, like I said, despite progress, young stars on the streets want to see that the first sign of seriousness for them is when every SAS officer that has been accused of something is arrested in the meantime, and we are beginning to see steps to prosecute them. Thank you very much, Rufai. Um, so Zainab, we'll move to you briefly as well. Um, what are your thoughts about the ongoing protests um, and what type of progress do you see that's encouraging so far? Thanks, Firm. Thank you, Firm. I think there's mostly everything that um, Rufai has mentioned. One of the one of the key things for me, which I always have a problem uh, with leadership in Nigeria, Nigeria specifically, but on the African continent in general, is this nonchalance or insouciant attitude that they have towards governing the people. It's like I can't really be bothered by what you people are saying, and you're just talking, and you know, it's just water off my back. There's no response, you know, um, and this is a constant problem that I've had all through different governments, not just the governments that we have in power now. I remember at the height um, of the Boko Haram insurgency, it was such it was so difficult to get the government to sit in front um, of, of the camera and address the people. It was so difficult to see them visiting locations where people had suffered attacks. Um, and all of this is just constant. Even as recently as 2020, with the start of the coronavirus, it was so difficult getting the president to address people, to give them, you know, the state of affairs. 
we should expect in terms of response to the coronavirus. And there are some levels, we can argue that to a certain extent, that kind of nonchalant behavior is sort of like adding fuel to fire because people just went about going about their business because, you know, the leaders are not giving direction towards what people should do. Um, and so one of the things that I've seen that for me, I, I take away as a win from this is that we're, we're putting them on their toes and saying you can no longer ignore us. Um, if you keep ignoring us, we're going to hit the streets and we're going to make things really uncomfortable for you. We've seen the IG of police in the past week have two press conferences. I can't remember the last time he did one press conference and we're talking about in one week he's done two press conferences trying to address the concerns that people have raised. Um, we've seen the governor in Lagos coming out and speaking to protesters. We've seen the governor in Oyo State go out and meet, um, and meet victims of families that have been um, affected by you know police brutality. We've seen the governor in um, Anambra State fire his head because protesters called specifically, you know, that person out and said, this person that is your aid, that you've given employment is one of the people that were, that's part of the, you know, this brutal um, unit that has been set up by police and has brutalized people for a long time. We've also seen different steps. Um, there's quite a number of arguments. Um, I do think that the goal towards the, the demands that we've put forth um, are going to be. I never believe that there's only one route to. Um, there's only one solution to any social problem. There's always is always convergence of different types of solutions coming together to address that particular problem. So for the people hitting the street, that's one form of protest. For the people online who keep talking about it and keep putting it in the face of the um, of the world, that's another type of protest. For the people who are having dialogues, who are going in for meetings and speaking, that's another form of protest. And um, I know that there's um, I know that there's a town hall that's been um, held today um, to address some of these issues, to basically bringing out governance from this sort of this idea of this closed arrangements that the people don't have access to and our leaders are people who are inaccessible to us. We're breaking that down now and we're saying, no, we put you in power. You cannot ignore us. And if you keep ignoring us, we have our voters card. I know there's been a lot of call for young people to get there because another thing it's done is it's is breaking the shackles of voter apathy among young people in Nigeria. Because I've seen a lot of call for young people saying, look, 2023 is around the corner, get your voter's card. They are calling INET to open registration early so that people can go. And they are understanding the power of the vote now because now they understand the power of the voice. So it's from one level, you move on to the other level. And they're also understanding that you can ask for accountability. And all of these wins, however isolated they are, they are small wins. But if you bring them up together, you see that where we are standing today is substantially very far from where we were at the beginning of the protests when they were killing people um, all across the country. So I definitely do believe that we've made quite a significant progress here. Thank you very much, Zainab. Um, so even among the um, older generation, a lot of people have made arguments that police brutality has its roots um, in the widespread corruption and impunity across Nigeria, which is not just in the criminal justice system, but across many other sectors. Um, and so, Zainab, again, what, what is your analysis of this, um, this nexus and how do you think we can substantially address it? Yeah, um, so... So in we know that um, if you look across all of the different indices and all of the different rankings, we do very poorly when it comes to corruption. Um, if you look at the corruption perception index, what are we 144 or is it even 146 now um, on the global cor uh, on the corruption perception index? If you look at the world, um, I think it's the security report or something. 
the Nigerian police force is ranked as the worst in the world. You know, um, if you look at some of the surveys that have been done by um, civil society organizations, by different organizations, um, I know Sarah released one um, early this year, was it last year, where the, the highest number of bribes came from the criminal justice system, the law enforcement, the police and the judiciary. Um, and so we see that it's not just... Um, and it's not isolated events. Um, I was at the, I was at recently the, the National Freedom of Information Compliance Ranking was released for 2020, and I was there. And the numbers of compliance, um, the the ranking for compliance was so poor across all MDAs in Nigeria, all MDAs. Um, and if you look, if you take individual systems one by um, sectors one by one, if you look at the education sector um, where we do work at Step Up Nigeria, if you look at the health sector, which we've analyzed some of the reports coming out from the audit report, you see that it's not it's not isolated. Even the agriculture sector, um, I know, um, I've forgotten the name of this, um, the NGO, the CSO that works in that area, but they, they highlight um, millions and billions uh, um, of naira that have gone, that have been embezzled, that have been diverted instead of you know helping farmers um, get imputes and get access to the things that they need. So it's not an iso it's it's a culture, and that culture is a culture of impunity. The idea that my 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 brother has a saying where he he says impunity is a Nigerian because it is this idea that I can do something with it, um, and it doesn't matter who it is. Um, any Nigerian, give them a little power, the idea that they can get away with what they are doing, they, they, they are only quelled with higher power. So they do not, there's no process, there's no system. So it's just, I'm going to bully people because I have a little power. If you go into a, an office, the receptionist, because they have access to getting you into the office, will be rude to you will not do their job because they know if you if if they, if they if you don't respond to them the way they like they'll keep you from going in the only person who can quell the receptionist is probably a manager from within so the receptionist doesn't care about you they only care about the manager which is a higher power the manager in turn can be rude to you can treat you shabbily can ask for bread can you know not refuse to do their services until maybe a supervisor comes down and says you know what you need to do your job so there is no across board um, there's this culture of I'm going to do what I want because I feel like I can get away with it. And that's the culture in which the Nigerian police force exists. And um, so it's the, they are enabled by that wider spread um, impunity culture, um, where, which makes them think that I was reading um, an analysis of the reports because I think um, some hackers went into the police force database um, and released some, some data. And I was looking at and, and some of the reports were saying, Officers ask for 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 guns, for, which is which is our taxpayers' money that buy those guns. They ask for guns, and what is in their request is personal protection. Um, they they ask very flimsy reasons. Why will you be issued a service, a rifle from the Nigerian Police Force for personal protection? That is not your personal property. You should not be able to have access for that. And also the idea that when they go out and when they step out of the office and then they come back, how they don't account for the bullets that they've wasted, that they've used. I was watching a video where a police officer just got upset and just took his gun and just fired around him. There's just this, this behavior, like it's just unruly behavior. It's very undisciplined behavior. Um, and that is because it is enabled by the wider um, society. So 
as part of our work, which is why I think our work at Step Up really is important because it's it's all it's behavioral, it's beha it's mindsets, it's attitudes towards what is right and what is wrong, um, and so it, for us to properly tackle this, we have to now start attacking, addressing the underlying. Um, attitudes that enable this. What makes you think that you can do something and get away with it? Where did you learn that? How did you pick that up? You probably didn't learn it when you were young, but growing up and seeing other people doing things and getting away with it, it sort of like became, oh, everyone else is doing it. So, you know, I don't see anything wrong with it. So we have to attack and we have to address it by addressing those underlying social norms that enable it. If you are a young person in school, some your teacher telling you or your peers telling you, hello um or your pers um, or someone coming to tell you if you if you are a police officer you shouldn't hurt people and this is why you are wearing the uniform the uniform is sacrosanct you, you treat it with respect you must treat people with respect if pe young people grow up with that mindset even if they went into a, a police force and um, and someone was telling them they are being trained to be brutish um towards people they would say no my growing up i did not learn this and they would go forward with that kind of behavior because even as much as we know now we do still know that there are honest and good police officers within the force they are just significantly overwhelmed by you know the mass of the you know the bad eggs and things like that and um, so i think attacking it from the behavioral change angle goes a significant long um, significantly long way and also en en ensuring that we have this we ensure a culture of accountability and transparency um, within our systems where if you do something you know that you're going to be held accountable for it and, and that's part of what the NSAS protest is about holding and um, police officers accountable, all the SAS officers accountable for the actions that they've done. If you've killed someone, you have to be held accountable. You can't just be pulled back and then redeployed somewhere else. You can't just leave from being from harming people and then be given a cushy political appointment. You have to answer for the crime. You have to be held accountable. You know, so that's part of, of you know what the whole um, protests have been about. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much for that robust response, Zainab. Um, so I move back to you, Rufai. Um, some people have made the argument that police brutality continues largely because these officers themselves are underpaid um, and poorly treated, um, with very poor, no safety nets, no allowances, things like that. Do you subscribe to this argument that this is why um, they act in the way that they do? Um, and if you don't, or if you do, why? I, I absolutely don't. Uh, and before I, I, I stress, you know, that further, I, I would like to first go back and reiterate the point that Zena made about, you know, impunity being, you know, the, 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 the major problem we have with people in public offices, whether they are, you know, clerks or principal officers. And this is the issue. Uh, people have the power to do things and nobody questions them. So... How do you have the power to take a life and you don't question? Like SARS just takes life and nobody questions them. That doesn't make any sense. And, and so to, to answer your question is foolhardy to, to you know, go down the line of arguments which says these officers behave the way they do because they don't get paid. Overall, we have a shabby economy, uh, which is largely dependent on oil. We are not exporting anything. We are just, you know, producing oil and selling. So everybody is affected by the economy. Aside, of course, the politicians who amass, you know, the, the, the bulk of the wealth to themselves. 
So this is not a good line of argument. And everybody who is making the argument should be persuaded to drop that line of argument. Uh, because we have, you know, everybody in every sector on each economy in Nigeria suffers from poor pay of any kind. And so to say because the police officer is not getting paid appropriately, that gives them the power to act uh, in the way that they do, to kill people unjustly, to take bribe, extort people, take people's you know, phones and laptops just like that. That is a very, very, you know, I, I don't want to use the word in my mind, but it's a really dumb line of argument. And uh, I, I say this also because uh, police officers have the right to protest. If the system doesn't work in their favor, we've seen police officers in the UK down tools and say, look, until you increase our pay, we're not going to, you know, work again. We've seen footballers in the US, female footballers, argue for, you know, more pay just by saying we're not going to play the next match. So they have a tool which they can argue with the government and say until and unless you do better, we are not going to police the society. So you don't, like people say, do another wrong in order to correct an injustice done to you. That's, that's bad. You only, you know, use the appropriate tool that, that are available to you to, 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 you know, ensure that the government listens to you. And again, if you, if you, if you look at it very critically, the people who the police are supposed to take care of and guide and do whatever, People are willing to protest on behalf of the police. Because I've seen people online even suggesting, like, let's put money together and begin to build. You know, I'm saying this is not a good idea. But this is just to this just goes to show you that people are willing to protest on behalf of the police force. But for now, people are protesting against the police force because they are the ones who have done, you know, badly, badly or terribly wrong in terms of policing our society. If we say, okay, let's have conversation about their welfare, that means I say, okay, for now, continue to kill us, and then let's have the conversations about your welfare. So now we have to help them understand that the Constitution is supreme, uh, is more powerful than the president, is more powerful than the police, was more powerful than the military, because it's the social contract that binds us together. If not, all of us can ignore the Constitution and act as barbarians and take the life of police officers as well, you know, because they live amongst us. But we are not doing this. We are protesting peacefully and saying, respect the Constitution, respect the dignity and the, you know, uh, the, the, the freedom to, 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 to of every Nigerian. And again, police officers have tools to do their job, but they are ignoring these tools. So essentially, we have to help them understand that, you know, these tools exist. They are not above the Constitution. And we have to help the politicians as well know, because it seems like they've forgotten the oath they swore to. Uh, they swore oath to put the Constitution. Uh, because I saw uh, just yesterday that the military is threatening to, to deal with protesters and they are swearing allegiance to, to, to the president. So their allegiance is first and foremost to the Nigerian constitution and the Nigerian people before it is to the president. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Um, Zainab, do you have an opposing view? Do you believe that the police um, act out in this way and they are justified somewhat because they are treated poorly? No, 
we don't see we there's there's no evidence to support that giving people more incentives will discourage them from carrying out um, acting with impunity from being corrupt from taking bribes from demanding bribes from diverting resources into their own personal pockets there's no evidence from that even not going too far even within the nigerian context um even the police officers themselves um some of the top ones that have been at the top before um i know for instance moving away from the police even the pension the pension the pencom um I, there was a scandal a few years ago a year or two years ago i can't remember how long ago where the, the boss took uh, the pension of m many pensioners for himself and diverted that you're already the boss but you're taking the pensions of you know low lower level civil servants poorer people and um, onto yourself because you want to make more money when you already earn more than all of these people you know so there's no evidence to support that line of argument um it can significantly encourage them towards acting more on the sides of you know being more humane give them a more humane face and act properly and act decently but there's nothing that says that if they have you know better welfare because if you give some they're always going to want more it's in the nature of human beings to want more so if you increase maybe they, they are earning 50 naira if you increase it to 100 naira now they are no longer operating on the mindset of of you know i used to be at 50 now i'm 100 yeah i've made it no they're like but I can get 200. That's it's always going to be um, in the nature of human beings to want more. So no, I do not subscribe to that line of argument. I do subscribe to the line of argument that says we need better mm. working conditions for members of our police force. That they need to be trained better and treated more humanely. Um, that they need good social welfare, good uh, safety nets for themselves, and um, healthcare, um, retirement packages. We, that is the right of every person that's working um, to have that. I do subscribe to that, and I do subscribe to the fact that they currently operate under really, to a large extent, inhumane conditions, and that needs to change. But I do not think that that is the reason why they continue to perpetrate brutality on the larger society. Yeah. Um, I much agree with you both as well. Thank you, Zainab. So, Rufai, you've been on the streets with other Nigerians. Um, you joined the protest physically. You've added your voice to the calls to end police brutality. So what have your experiences been from the streets? And, you know, we've seen all kinds of different types of protests. Which forms of protest do you think have, um, think have been most effective so far? Uh, I think that, you know, the Nigerian state... Uh, in the way in, a, in its entirety is averse to protesting. Uh, anything that unites people and brings them together for a common cause is, is not something that is no matter you get what I'm saying. So the fact that people are on the streets in itself is something that is uncomfortable for the system. And so for now, I think what I've experienced by being on the on the streets in the days that I've been out to protest is young Nigerians energetic enough to come out and say, look, you are going to shoot us. You are going to bring out your water cannons and your tear gas and canisters, whatever, but we will, come, we will keep coming back in more numbers. We've seen videos where people have been brutalized, shot, kicked, hit, beat, and even police went as far as standing you know, after chasing protesters, standing beside their cars and destroying them with, with knives. And still, protesters keep coming back. So this tells us that people have had enough. Uh, so uh, most, in most processes, people take to going to the police uh, force headquarters in Abuja. 
in Lagos, they found the most significant place uh, that the protests will affect the government, which is the Lekki Toll Bridge, because, you know, it's a money spinner for, for the government. And so in Abuja, uh, they've taken over the central area, essentially, and traffic builds up every day because protesters have blocked. And we've had people who are uncomfortable with this because they have one place, one place or the other to go to. And what we say to them is that you should be uncomfortable with a police officer having the power to take your life anytime he wants. And so this is the time to come out and protest and, and demand that, you know, these things are fixed. So whether you want to go and make your hair or you are going to, to work, uh, this should not be enough reason for you because the right to life is bigger than whatever you are going to do out there for now. So we appeal to everybody to, that is uncomfortable with the protest for now to know that we are in the business of trying to fix you know, the mindset of Nigeria, fixing everything that is wrong. And so they should, you know, be, you know, be just, just take it easy for now. The roads will be free in a few days, uh, but we need the government to listen. So what, what continue to happen on the street is that protesters are donating money uh, to feed themselves while they are out protesting. They, they have organized themselves. So I, 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 let me just, uh, sorry for the break, but just finalize by saying that, you know, we have seen a lot of organization with these young protesters. Uh, the ones that are medical practitioners are coming out and offering their medical expertise, treating people who, who have injuries. And also we have people who are good with organizing, you know, social events, uh, helping with the distribution of food. Some people are good with organizing funds and they are, they are doing that and make sure, making sure that the protest is sustained. So uh, this is what we are witnessing and I think this will continue these few days until the government is serious about taking action. Some of the progress we have witnessed uh, are steps. Uh, we don't consider them as, as things that are, that, that are, you know, effective. Uh, you know, you can make progress by lifting a finger, but until we see that the government has arrested the people who have killed people and begin to parade them, uh, for us, that is the first time that the we, progress has been made. So again, people are energetic on the streets. They are going to government offices and protesting in the fronts. Uh, even though in some places we are still witnessing police brutality and violence, in other places, police is beginning to understand that we are not trying to fight them and we are just trying to protest. Thank you. Thank you very much for that um, eyewitness report from the streets. Um, so I move to Zainab again, um, and it will be a three-part question as we round up the podcast. Um, one, do you believe the NSAS protest will spiral into a wider call for better governance in Nigeria? Um, and then what do you think the outcome of this protest will be in the long run? And what role can citizens and civil society and other actors like that play to bring about that end? Okay, thanks. Thank you, Fermi. Um, so in terms of whether this could likely lead to a wider call for better governance, I think um, we're waiting to see how how this because at the moment we're still at the level where these are really largely protests um, being hosted across um, across the, the the country and across the world. Um, we do still see that there's still significant um, 
divisiveness. Um, not all parts of the country, for instance, are on board. Um, I'm pushing. I'm pushing forward uh, with this. So. I think it would be a bit premature to to talk about whether this could lead to a wider, a, a bigger call for good governance in Nigeria. But I definitely do see how it can be a good precursor because already the conversations that we're seeing online and that are being had on the streets as young people hit the streets is, you know, who, who, I, I see some people saying we're going to come back to these people. We're going to come back and talk about this. We're going to come back and talk about this. Um, so yes, I do think that there's there's a high likelihood. Um, that this could lead to this could lead to a wider call for good governance, but it depends to a large extent how we sustain the current pace that we're on now. Like Rufai has mentioned, we're seeing, you know, a bit of body movements from from the side of the government, from the side of the um, the police leadership, but we haven't seen them really sit up to say yes i'm going to this is the action and i'm doing this in this number of days you know not really concrete and um, there's a, still a lot of like trying to placate us and um, as as at maybe two days ago they were still trying to say even yesterday they said protesters in abuja should not protest um so they are still trying to clamp down on the move they are focused on the young people and trying to clamp them down rather than taking a look at the demands that young people have made and starting to actually act and um, act on those so i think they really need to get serious with that um before we can now start talking about and as we see because currently um we we, we the movement the the call for it is not isolated. I know, for instance, in Kenya, um, Kenyans have hit the streets against police brutality um, either earlier this year or last year as well. Um, and then different movements across the continent as well. We see what's happening in Hong Kong. So Nigerian youth also experience there's, there's this sense of solidarity that, you know, we're not alone. All across the world, people are facing this. It sort of gives people the confidence to say, you know, to stand up and act because they can see other people doing similar um, across the world. Um, so I do think that it has high likelihood for spilling out. In terms of the outcomes, what I'm hoping that the government will do is to, you know, really stop trying to suppress because the more they do that, it's like pressure. The more you try to press it down, you know, it's just going to spread wider and you know just get re people really angry um, and then we'll now start to see you know it might not start changing the nature of you know what's what's currently still peaceful still quite peaceful um inside the protesters so I, the government should not anger because there are a large nigerian young people in nigeria is a significant number of the population there are so many young people in nigeria and if they because uh, they are all not on the streets now. They are not all on the streets. There are still a lot of people still at home, um, still a lot of people sitting it out and watching as things unfold. And they make people angry. Or if they continue and they, you know, possibly start hurting young Nigerians, because these young Nigerians on the streets, their parents are still at home and their parents are still looking at them like, I don't understand what it is that you people are doing, or, you know, I get the idea, you guys push forward. But the moment you start hurting them, then you're going to pull parents as well into this, you know, and then we're going to have a mixture of, you know, and, you know, everything is, everybody's just going to be on the streets demanding. So I think they need to focus on the demands that have been placed forward and um, placed before them. One, they need to arrest they need to stop arresting and stop attacking protesters all across the country. They need to stop doing that. We see young, young Nigerians outside in other countries, outside Nigeria, in Canada, in the US, in Germany, in, in all over the world, in France, protesting peacefully with no action taken against them. But here in Nigeria, you protest and they bring out water cannons, they bring out the army, um, and they attempt to use them to suppress protesters, which is absolutely wrong. And then they try to make um, 
statements, general statements trying to ban the movement. I think this is absolutely wrong and they need to stop that. And they need to allow people to protest peacefully. Then they need to release anyone that they've arrested, any of the protesters that they've arrested. It was quite chilling for me to see that one of the protesters who was arrested um, in Surulere in Lagos was then quickly moved um, from one police station to the other. And before, before you could, before, over the span of maybe six hours, they had framed him and they were going to push him forward for murder, which is absolutely crazy because they are doing this while the eyes of the world is on them. So imagine what they've done when we couldn't see what they were doing. So they need to. So we need justice for all of these things. Um, for all of these things that they've done, we need all protesters that in the custody of the police released. We need justice and compensation for families of victims. We need persecution of all officers who have been um, involved in any of this British force or brutality that have been that have people have come forward and um, to speak up about we need to see all of this happening and um, before we can then say and then we need to see possibly an overhaul of the curricula used to train police because that's calling now for the wider reform um, of the police force um, because we're not just this this is not we understand that all of this is, is sort of like within the institution. Um, it's the curricula that's used to train them, it's the recruitment policy, it's the pay, it's everything. So we also want to see an overhaul, a reform really of the uh, of the police force and how CSOs um, and, and other stakeholders can help. I think CSOs have a huge role to play in terms of, especially CSOs that have been involved, focused on accountability and transparency. So they need to monitor this process. If government says, okay, these are our action plans, this is what we're going to do, that needs to be tabled. And CSOs need to follow up with that to say, okay, you said you were going to do this. It's been three months. We've seen no action. We've seen no movement. What, what are you really saying? What, what, what are we doing here? And we also need the media it's been quite disappointing what the uh, media in Nigeria has been doing so far. We need them to really change change their game because the, the distrust of government could be transferred to distrust of the media. And that's dangerous um, if, if we distrust them because the media is such a powerful tool. So we definitely need the media to keep reporting factually everything that is going on and to give subjective news um, about things that are happening. We also need sort of like internet one of the things that i'm really big about in in all of this is the 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 what international bodies can do externally to support the movement within the country so for instance during the elections the recent elections visa bans were placed on key actors in um, in at least two states where um, they always, you know, there's always a lot of voter intimidation and disruption of the electoral process. We could adopt that for this because there's been a lot of human rights abuses while all of this is going on. So perhaps we can get similar, you know, types of, you know, visa bans on them to encourage them to, you know, act properly and do what is right. And as well, you know, there's also a lot of petitions to take some of the actors, the key actors that have been involved in this to the International Criminal Courts to get them prosecuted because we need that action to sustain uh, to sustain the movement. And there are different roles that different people can play. On the part of young Nigerians, I think we need to keep talking about it. We need to keep speaking about it. And I'm very excited that we can see, you know, the power that young people have um, coming out from this movement and we can put our foot to the pedal and keep pushing forward on the power of that. Thank you. Thank you very much, Zainab. Thank you very much. Um, and Rufai, again, um, same question just as we conclude. Um, do you believe that this is a start um, in a demand for better governance by Nigerians? Um, and then what do you think the outcome of this protest will be and the role of civil society and other actors in bringing out the best outcome? Uh, 
So I, I said that indeed I hope uh, in earnest that this starts a honest, you know, spiral for everything that we want to see in terms of how people demand for good governance and accountability. And I, I already, as Zena mentioned, we are seeing people uh, demanding for a secure north in northern Nigeria. Uh, we are already also seeing um, a lot of other protests beginning to, you know, tap from this. And so I say that it is my hope, uh, honestly, for all Nigerians, wherever they are, that are suffering from one form of injustice, misgovernance, bad governance, what, whatever name it is, uh, to begin to stand, you know, call for change, because uh, this is a 60-year-old, you know, uh, nation, and we've had uh, bouts of democracy, and this is the longest that we have had. And so for me, uh, if you come out on October 1st to tell the country that, yay, Independence Day, what is the idea behind the independence? Is that everybody should be free and have their inalienable rights, you know, uh, attributed to them and nobody can take that away. But is this the case? This is not the case. So if you are coming out on, a, on, on October 1st to parade beds, do a military parade and do all these things to say we have independence, when people are, can still not do something as basic as just move around freely without police officers harassing them and extorting them and killing them, then the idea of the independence is, 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 is just ridiculous. And, and we should begin to rethink on whether to actually celebrate it or not. So yes, I think that it is important for this to push for wider uh, protests in, in all forms and, and everywhere else. Uh, it's also important that the civil society wakes up. The role of the civil society cannot, you know, be be overemphasized. They are a core part of uh, the ecosystem of governance in this country. Uh, the in most cases, because of the failure of governance civil society has had to step up to do things that they should not be doing. The civil society is supposed to be pressure group, um, but now we are seeing civil society are beginning to engage in act of governance. Uh, so this is, this is ridiculous. So wherever civil society are in this nation, I call on them to, to wake up and not just be, you know, mouthpieces of government and believe in their press releases. They need to engage government, see steps, actionable steps that say this is what we are going to do at this time and hold them accountable. Uh, uh, two, the media as well is a civil society on its own, you know. Uh, and so we refer to them as the uh, the fourth extent of the realm because after all the other arms of government, they are the next. And for us, they are the voice of the people. But as we have seen with this protest, government what we call in media by buying the voice of the organization to not report what is happening appropriately. People have had to, you know, call out channels, TV, TVC, and all these media organizations. And this again brings us to the conversation of the independence of the media. Is the media in Nigeria truly independent? This is a whole conversation for another time. And so if there's a whole agitation for ending police brutality and the whole media is silent and want to report things and do what is necessary. 
then I think the people who be call themselves editors and what have you need to begin to question the credibility of their certification and everything else they, they have learned. You get what I'm saying? So, yes, uh, civil society needs to wake up, the media needs to wake up, and we need to begin to ask ourselves uh, the right questions. We need to begin to hold government accountable because the country doesn't belong to them. It belongs to every Nigerian. Uh, so, yes. Thank you very much, Rufai, and thank you, Zainab, for joining us to have this conversation today. Um, I hope our listeners have been very well educated and entertained by um, these conversations on the NSARS protest. Again, on our podcast today, we have discussed the NSARS protest and the case for police reform in Nigeria. Thank you, Rufai. Thank you, Zainab. Um, if you'd like to follow Rufai and Zainab on Twitter, you can follow them at Zeni Hari and at Sa underscore R U F F Y Rufi. Um, and remember also to follow Step Thank Up Nigeria on Twitter. Yes, at Step underscore Up underscore Nigeria and on our social media platforms at Step Up Nigeria as well. Um, this podcast will also air on our YouTube channel, Step Up TV. So also check the video out if you are listening on the audio platforms. Uh, so thank you, Zainab, and thank you, Rufai. This brings us to the end of today's podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for being a wonderful host. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you too.